Gratitude and Greatness is a production of Recursive Delete Audiovisual. Grief, Gratitude, and Greatness explores our understanding of grief, the gratitude that keeps us connected, and the greatness we exercise when we show up. I'm your host, Sarah Shaul. John's wife, Kara, was a powerhouse fixture in the Portland fashion design and retail scene. When she succumbed to cancer, she left John and their son behind. I sat down with John and talked about how he manages his loss, picking up the pieces as a newly single dad. Your late wife actually passed in your home. Does that trigger things for you, being in this home, or does that feel like a really good thing and a comforting thing for you? Sometimes it triggers things because it takes you back to that mom- the moments that you had as it got closer to the end, but I wouldn't have wanted it to be any other way. It was comfortable, rather than tied up with tubes in a hospital setting, which would have been horrible. A month before it even happened, before she went downhill, she expressed wanting to be home. And that's what I've heard with other people who are passing. They want to be home and surrounded by things that they love. And she loved this home and she loved the things, the beautiful things she put in it. So the fact that we've stayed here past that, my goal has been to make my son's life not change dramatically from what he'd had. Now, we've had to move a few things around, of course, to live. But yeah, sure, it's touching. And there are times that it, you know, in the back of your mind, you're walking in a room and this is the room she died in, you know, the but it doesn't overwhelm me at all. We've moved past that at this point because it's been 16 months, mm-hmm. you know, we've moved past that. So we have to function and she was everywhere. She was in, in, you know, in other places where we work, the seats at the baseball stadium. So it's no different in the home. We've managed to keep it not a shrine to her, but it's, it's comforting to me to know that she was at home, but it doesn't yeah. overwhelm me or drain me. You had said something to me that really stuck with me when I told you about that I was doing this. And mm. and you'd share that you're really eager to move past being known as Kara's husband. I was wondering if you could share a little more about that with me. I'm grateful for the support and love and people checking in on me. But when it comes kind of loaded with the attachment to the other person you were married to, it gets to be really draining because you do want to... Um, find a way to move forward and to be constantly reminded about it is, is trying. I've gone to one grief group and I had this conversation with an older guy who probably was in his mid seventies. And he pulled me aside because I expressed the difficulty in being known as a title, as a widower, or just as a partner of somebody. And in all your social functions and gatherings, and you're getting invited to barbecues, it gets to be a bit heavy and it gets to be a bit annoying to be known Primarily as it's a weird spot because, you know, everybody wants to go like, I'm sure the holidays are going to be difficult for you. You know, we went through <laughs> Christmas last year, and you know, because your significant other's not here. And they mentioned her being, you know, really into the holidays. And I'm known as her husband and it's always going to be, and I love her to this day, but there's a point where you want to be able to be known for what you do, not what happened to you. And my kid says that all the time too. I am grateful for having her legacy, which is my kid, you know, 24-7. It's our kid, and I see her in him. But when it comes to me wanting to have 
a social life or things to look forward to, it, I don't need to have her completely attached to me. And that's tough because you're getting invited to social situations that the family knows you as a unit and she's not here. Yeah. And I'm grateful for the invites. I'm, I'm always grateful to go, but it's a weird thing to have to, I hate using the word navigate, but dodge maybe is a better use of the, word, of the term. No, I understand. I've heard like both sides of this. I've heard people say that after their spouse passes, after their spouse passes, that they felt isolated from people that they used to spend a lot of time with. Yeah. And they felt like a break from those people. Like they just couldn't hang out with them. Mm. But I've also heard that sometimes the invitations just drop off and you start getting left off the list. And because you're not, you don't fit in. That's true. And that's sad too. And that's sad too. I'd rather have the invites, (laughs) you know, (laughs) than not. And they're, I would say it's very isolating to not get the invites too. So it's a double-edged sword. I mean, you want to be included and have adult conversations and not have the entirety of my um, evenings spent with just solo parenting or just the heaviness of that. That's a whole other a whole other deal. It's trying to find some nurturing from those people, but at the same time, not having it define you 24-7. Yeah. There, it ebbs and flows, the socializing with, with other people. It seems to be that most of my social life right now revolves around my kids' sports. Yeah. You know, which is great, but... <laughs> You search for other kind of adult conversations and topics, too, that don't revolve around just your child. So it's, it's wonderful to be loved and be known and to have the invites. But at the same time, there are points where you just want to walk away from yeah. it because it gets to be too much, you know. Mm-hmm. And people mean well, and they're, they're asking how you're doing, and I appreciate that. But they sometimes bring up her name with that as well, and that's kind of a loaded, loaded word because it brings you in a whole different place. You had shared with me that as part of this wanting to be known for who you are and not as someone's husband, you felt that some people were actually projecting their own grief onto you? I think certainly with um, more ways to reach people these days with social media and Facebook messaging and people that don't really know me mean well, but they sometimes reach out at inopportune moments. And it might be the holidays and it might be, you know, something that reminds them of her and they'll reach out to me and I'm walking on sunshine that day thinking about something completely different, maybe pizza. <laughs> but, but walking they, on sunshine, yeah, walking thinking, on sunshine of thinking of pizza and, and they, they're, hey, we're thinking about my gal today. You know, I'll get a message through Facebook messaging or a text and I'm like, great. Great. And I mean, honestly, it's nice to be, to be thought about, but there's nothing like a short, short stab feeling at times because I wasn't 24-7 thinking about it, but it brings me back to maybe I should be. Or, yeah. But I'm certain that for some people, they're thinking about maybe somebody they've lost in their lives. But for others, obviously, they're thinking about her. It sounds selfish that I'm saying I don't like people reaching out because I do. And I do like people saying I'm thinking about you guys because that's nice. But sometimes when they bring her into the conversation, I'm surrounded by her. I've got her kid. I've got the legacy of her businesses and the things that we built together 24-7. I haven't sold them or stepped away from that. Yeah. So yeah, I'm sure people are dealing with their own loss too. We're all going to deal with it. If we haven't yet, we're going to. 
You know? Right. So either it's a family member or God forbid something even worse, somebody closer, you know, a kid or, you know, I've, as soon as I think I've got it bad, I hear stories from people that have had it much worse. So I'm grateful for the outreach, but I'm sure people are finding their way through it as well. Yeah. I think there's so many layers to this process. I personally believe this process is kind of never ending. I spoke to one woman, she was a young, she was a very young widow. And she says, I'm going to be an old lady, 80, 90, mm. and I'll still be a young widow. I will all, that'll always be part of mm-hmm. me, you know? I also think everyone experiences this and finds solace in different ways, too. Not everyone's going to experience loss the same. When you shared about people reaching out to you and maybe you're not needing always to be reminded, and maybe that's a form of projection, mm. Because these people are missing her, and you're the closest mm-hmm. person, right? Right. So that's why they reach out to you. And I was thinking, do you think that women kind of have this tribe that comes around to support them? You know, women are known to have, like, a tribe of friends, a tribe of women that comes to support them. And do you think that maybe that Maybe Kara's tribe feels a sense of responsibility to make sure you're doing okay? Well, yeah, sure. And I'd say initially it was expressed with um, casseroles. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> a good way. You know, and that <laughs> obviously tapers off after a while. And not like I'm going to turn that down now. But, um, but yeah, I'm certain of that. And they think about their own family and they think about their own husband or partner and, and what they might be dealing with if they should not be in the picture too. They're projecting what it could be like for their husband. And that's a wonderful thing. Uh, I also get outreach from my guy friends. That's great. Like how? Show me. Texts. You know, texts. Guys that I, you know, train with, running. Guys I run, do the hood to coast with. Those friends that have gone through some of their own personal situations. Guys who've gone through terrible divorces. Maybe they see me as a saint. But they're the first guys that reach out and go, hey, let's go out for a beer. Whatever. Those are the guys that are my tribe as well. So I have my army. I mean, I might not have a ton in common with these guys other than we do an event every year. So they reach out to me and at really great times, you know, hey, how you doing? You know, let's get together for a run. Let's go grab a beer. So that's wonderful. But certainly, yeah, for the women, they're probably realizing, oh my God, what? he has a son. You know, he's doing it by himself. I'm a solo dad. Yeah. You know, I get advice from people about single parenting and, and it's wonderful but at the same time, I'm like, your kid can go with your significant former significant other half the time. And I don't mean to bitch about it, but that, that uh, is a totally different, <laughs> I can't outsource it ever. Right. But I'm grateful. My kid is wonderful. He's 14. He's a ninth grader. And he's, in, he's getting to that independent stage where I know he's not going to starve to death. He can make mac and cheese and knows how to make toast. And, you know, <laughs> so can kind of figure out laundry. So, so I'm grateful. As soon as I think I've, I've got a tough spot. I've talked to people who um, have more than one kid and they're dealing with being a solo parent. I'm grateful for family to be able to help. So the tribe, it's always, it's always welcome. And I'm certain to get to your point on how people deal with grief and the language they use, people don't know what to say. You know, mm-hmm. I was thinking about the word widower. I mean, when somebody described me as a widower, they reached out. Wonderful email I got from a guy who had gone through terrible loss in his, his life and had younger kids than I did and more than one. And, you know, he used the word widower and it didn't hit, it was maybe a week or two after Kara had died. And I didn't 
think of myself as a widower. I didn't know that that was a word or maybe there would be a membership card that came in the mail with a, you know, that I could use and whip out <laughs> whenever I needed sympathy. But it wasn't a word I'd used at all. And I still have a hard time using that word. I don't know what it is about it. It's almost like I, there, needs to be, there needs to be a new word for widower or widows because it's too heavy. You know, it's almost easier to say, I've got a dead wife, you know, and it takes people off guard. And for some people, that's a bit off-putting, but it's out, there almost needs to be another word to describe it. And maybe it's not just one word, but sometimes I think like that because the widow word title to me seems so heavy and dour and, you know, black widow and it's super negative. Yeah. Right. And it does seem like the lexicon around death is very limited, right? Right. You know, what do you say to somebody? Condolences, prayers. There's just so little that we are comfortable using around that. And that's a really great point you bring up is why can't we have more language that's not so heavy or not? And and I'm down the road a bit. I mean, granted, it's been over a year now, but I tend to, I hate the word navigate, but I tend to deal with it with humor. Mm -hmm. And my humor is a little bit off-putting for some people, you know, but, you know, it's, it gets me through and it's a defense mechanism for me. Yeah. And I'm pretty respectful with it to a point. But it made me think about it more recently that the term widower and widow is too heavy. It needs to be either something more pointed or uh, something soft and frilly or something. I just, I just, I don't like the term. And I'm sure I'm not the only person that feels that way. Yeah. But I totally get it. Well, yeah, there needs to be a scientific term or something that just fits the, the lexicon to describe that unbeknownst to you, you were, you know, solo parent or you had a wife who had an exit strategy, something like that that, <laughs> that isn't, isn't so heavy. You know, yeah. I'll take applications for that term. I'm wondering what kind of weight do you carry knowing you are the only parent for your child? I mean, this concern over your own health, I mean, you're it. And you have to, you are the person guiding this human as far as you can. Is that part of what you're going through? It's pressure, but at the same time, for me, I'm certain some people grieving have a harder time getting up in the morning and, and deal with serious deep depression. I've been able to maybe avoid some of the heaviness because I have him. You have someone depending on you. Oh, depending on me. And maybe it's going to hit me harder in three and a half years or four years when he's away in college. Or it does when he's out at a sleepover and I'm here by myself. I mean, super heavy then when when he's not here. I was at his school conferences last week. I was sitting waiting for the appointments with the teachers. And it just hit me. And I'm looking around at all these families. And I'm here by myself for my kid. He doesn't have a mom. Yeah. And it was heavy. Mm -hmm. You know, I was super proud. He's doing great in school. But that was heavy. At the same time, I only have three and a half years until he's in college. So (laughs) I'm mapping out parts of my life that I'm like, in three and a half years, I'm downsizing. This house is going to be, you know, a townhouse and I'm getting a vacation home somewhere sunny. I mean, those things, I see light at the end of the tunnel because time is flying by. But again, I'm grateful for him. He worries about me, you know, me socializing and having an outside life or even trying to date or things like that. He's aware of that. He's concerned. And I point out, you're my priority. And secondly, my other priority is me taking care of myself. And your mom 
wants that. I need to take care of myself to take care of you. Five days a week, I have a reason to get out of bed and that's getting him out the door. Is it heavy? Sure. But are Mondays harder than Tuesdays? Yeah, for sure. Is seeing him grow up difficult? Sure. But he's a great kid and I'm lucky and I realize that time's limited. And at the end of the day, I'm going to have to outsource myself and I'm, I think I'm doing an okay job. I mean, I've kept a kid <laughs> fed and clothed and alive for, by myself for a little over a year, almost a year and a half. Is your own mortality more serious now because he depends on you? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he does. I mean, I think I'm not going skydiving anytime soon, right? But then again, I can't, we can't not have fun, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. what's the point of living otherwise? So I don't take unnecessary risks. I do think about things like that. My life insurance is paid up, things like that. (laughs) Um, We all deal with that too, no matter if we have kids. I I just want him to have a really comfortable home life where he doesn't feel like the next thing is going to get taken away from him. I can't guarantee it, but all I can do is comfort him that I'm here for him right now and that he's always going to be taken care of, of course, but at the same time, he better figure his shit out because I'm not going to do it forever. And he's getting to that point. And that's great to see. Middle school into starting high school, I think for boys, it can be very slow at taking the reins. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's good that you're starting to see that. Yeah, I mean, he's he's carving out his path, and uh, he's just making his own mistakes. I mean, that's what you really want, too, right? I mean, he's going to make a mistake, let it be his own mistake, not somebody else's. And I see that every day. He's up in his room doing homework and advocating for himself. There's not a perfect age for a kid to lose his mom, but my son was seventh grader going into eighth grade, 12, young for his age or for his class. And it goes back to what I said earlier. So he wanted to be known for what he did and what not what happened to him. I see it every day in how he lives. I do the best I can trying to make sure he feels comfortable and safe. How concerned were you or are you about how the grieving process is going for him? I check in with him mm-hmm. from time to time. I check in with him maybe too much. I've offered to take him to grief classes and he's never wanted to go. Yeah. So that's not my thing. A couple weeks ago, he was sick. He was home from school for a few days. And I know he was feeling a little bit down because he was ill and tired. And I'm sure it was, you know, with everything going on with school and hormones and him playing football. And he was just beat up. And he said he couldn't sleep one night. And he said he was really missing his mother. And he asked if I could lay with him. And of course I did. In the middle of the day, I just curled up with my son, who's six foot one. (laughs) And you have to enjoy those moments because they're not going to be there much longer. But that was nice. You know, and that's the first I've heard him say that since right around the time that his mother passed. So I brought it up that day. Like, if you're feeling blue, would, you know, would you like to go talk with somebody? I'll go with you. It's good for me as mm-hmm. well. And he said, no, no, it's not my thing. I was just tired. You know, yeah. I'm fine. I didn't sleep well. So, and that's sad for me because I know, you know, he could use probably a better nurse than me. His mom was a much better nurse than I am, where I'm like a good nurse for a day or two. And then I start to reach my patient level. I'm like, get over your damn cold. It's time to... It's time to get back to things. There was a word that you used about running on adrenaline. Yeah. I mean, we all know adrenaline is kind of a fight or flight Mm -hmm. kind of response. So it wasn't pure adrenaline. You're just describing that period as... The beginning? Yeah. Yes, because I think you knew what you needed to do when it happened. I mean, it was... When it happens, you have so many people checking in on you, and you have a lot of wind at your back. Mm -hmm. Really, even for the first year after somebody 
passes that you lived with and built a life with passes, you've got the meal trees, the beginning, you know, you've got people who helped you lock in a service at the, at the church, great friends, couldn't have done it without them. People that I love that are like family, but you've got those people checking in with you a lot, you know, a lot. You know, you need to one, get your financial stuff figured out, deal with your businesses and things that you've shared together. So the adrenaline, it's not really adrenaline, but it's just, it, there's a lot more wind at your sails. You know? Yeah. There's adrenaline at first, but there's more wind at your back because it's still fresh. That tapers off. We know when a year passes, you're like, this is the new normal. The adrenaline's not there. And you have a lot more time to, to think. Probably because people aren't checking in on you as much and also just because of the ebb and flow of time. Is the adrenaline associated with like this kind of keeping really busy? Whether the busy is people checking up on you or you throwing yourself into work so you don't have to think? No, I mean, it's gotten better, but my um, ability to stay on task is pretty limited. I could only work on something of importance for a half hour or an hour, and then I'd have to step away from it. That's now or that was back then? That was back then. Mm -hmm. I still have it because of the nature of my work life, but more able to focus now. I didn't keep myself busy just to keep busy. I really didn't. I was busy because I needed to to make a living and feed my kid. Right. I needed to go to the grocery store and make a list. I hadn't grocery shopped since I was a bachelor. Wow. You know, I hadn't really cooked for myself because I was luckily lucky to be married to a great cook for, you know, 17 years. So you're learning your, your role and your, you know, the adrenaline comes with all those things and kid needs to eat. Bills need to get paid. Life needs to go on, but I couldn't stay on task for very period. I would work on those things and then some project I would set aside, you know, obviously, you know, even just getting rid of things that in my life inventory of the person's coats and jackets and shoes, I didn't get to that right away. And I sat on that stuff. I think I told you that my dad, when my mom passed, took him a really, really long time mm -hmm. to do that. Yeah. And when he finally did it, it was like, yeah. You know, even, well, yeah. even, yeah. even I was like, what is this stuff doing in here? You know? Well, yeah. Except for that like maybe it. I want some of it. Well, true. <laughs> you know, and I, I want her friends that loved her to have the things that she created because she was a designer. But the rest of the stuff to me has become just inventory right now. And you're right. It's, it seems like lifting a boulder, but once it starts to go away, you're like, wow, that feels good. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not sad or anything. And I've been lucky to have friends, you know, a good friend now more recently helping me go through some of her stuff and dealing with it. And that's helped. I'm grateful if I may have expressed that I wasn't grateful to people reaching out to me, I am, because I couldn't do it without him. I was just listening to Sheryl Sandberg. She lost her husband yeah, yeah, yeah. suddenly. Yeah. And she was saying, you know, don't ask me how I'm doing, but ask me, how are you today? That's great. It's more proactive. The I'm thinking about you thing is always nice, but how are you doing today? That to me is more positive. It's more snappy. <laughs> it doesn't bring in the lost person because like I told you, that gets to be a bit heavy. And it makes you realize that for one, they are checking in on you. And two, it puts me back in a spot where I think, what am I looking forward to today? Because really that's, for me, what keeps me going. Aside from getting up and feeding my kid, I have to find one thing to look forward to. 
right? And it might not be today. It might, maybe today it's pizza, but, but maybe tomorrow it's this football game we're playing and I get to go watch my kid do it, right? That's nice language and I hadn't thought of that before. You know, how are you doing today? And today it might be about pizza, but tomorrow there's a football game and I get to go see my kid do that. And to me, that's wonderful. I can't, um, I can't get through the week unless I have things like that. And when he's gone, I mean, maybe I'll hit another blue spell or something, but I'm certain by then I'll find some hobby or something else to have to look forward to. Was there anything that singularly you can identify that was super appreciated? Any gesture, anything that anyone said or did for you? You did mention the gentleman who reached out to you that had been through it. Mm-hmm. For me, what's been helpful, honestly, has been me having the ability to help other people who are grieving, who have gone through it. You know, a friend who lost a mother, that to me is more helpful because it circles back on me and how I'm dealing with it. If I can do anything to help anybody else move past what they're dealing with, and especially the initial stages, because I'm still relatively new to this, Mm -hmm. to me, that's helpful. When you're helping someone else, is it sort of like a mirror where you can say, this person really is just starting to find Again, the lexicon, using that word that we don't love so much, but navigate, just learning how to start navigating through this. Does it remind you like, wow, I've come a long way? Does that give you some sense of strength or success? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I know anything. I mean, I'm just trying, like I said, I try to find a reason to get up for it, which is obviously my kid and something to look forward to. And and the other thing is, is helping someone who was dealing with grief or struggling with something. I'm just curious, when you see someone else who's just starting through this oh. process, if you recognize, wow, I felt that way. Yes. And oh, I yeah. don't quite feel that bad anymore. And so, right. wow, I've, I've actually come further than I realized. I remember what it was like when it was really raw and when I had a lot of adrenaline. And when you're going through your to-do list of getting your bank accounts in order and all those things. And then the ebb and flow of emotions that you have when you've got downtime and you're by yourself and have a lot of time to think. Mm-hmm. You know, and how agonizing that is, you know, and harsh. It's, it's a harsh feeling. There's a lot of loneliness attached to, to that empty space when you don't have something to look forward to or you, your kid's on a sleepover, you know, <laughs> those sorts of downtimes. It's very heavy. And I've been able to talk with people who have gone, are going through those sorts of moments and stuff and, and try to impart some wisdom and hold tight or pamper yourself for a day or, you know, go get your nails done or um, watch a Netflix movie or, or go to the library. You know, I mean, those sorts of things. I didn't do all those things, but I don't think this is anything that's ever going to just abruptly stop because I'm always thinking about the person. I have come a long way and I see it every day in my kid growing six inches since <laughs> over a year, you know? So we've come a long way, but there's still a long way to go. I don't have the answer. How much of your grief is about losing your wife. How much of your grief is the process of her death? Because that must have been really, really hard for both you and your son. Yeah. That must have been just really horrible and painful to lose someone that way. At the same time, we had a 14-month window knowing this probably is going to happen. You know, I'm an optimist. I'm, I'm breaking, out, breaking out the duct tape and taping up the scenario no matter. Like, let's find a way forward. Let's find the next way forward. Let's look for the next. And so was she, because she was an ass kicker. But I was that teammate that 
pushed, pushed her forward, we knew this might happen, no mm-hmm. matter the positivity attached to our, my personality and hers. Mm-hmm. We had the gift of knowing this might happen. We talked about what might happen. We talked about what our lives would be like or my life would be like with my kid. So that was a gift. Some people don't have that gift. Right. You know? Sheryl Sandberg didn't have that gift to talk with her husband about what it would be like for her to be a solar parent or what the goals are, what they might be looking for in a high school for their kid. And these are conversations I had with my wife. The harsh moments are the, the things that you look forward to, to doing together as a couple. That would, yeah. you know, building a vacation home, yeah. you know, traveling, seeing uh, your kids' sports events, getting your kid dressed for prom. You know, how harsh is that? It was, it was sad when she realized she's not going to get to dress her kid up for homecoming. Those are harsh moments. And to me, those, those are some that make me pretty sad still. Yeah. Um, there's the, we're not building a vacation home on Hood River. You know, there are things that we're not doing. But we did have a window to at least talk about some things where some people don't. Every time I think my grief is, is deep, I meet other people who didn't have that closure. They didn't have closure with my son got to see his mother die. That's terrible. But at the same time, there's a bit of a silver lining there for him too. You know, other kids will not know, hopefully for a long, long time. One of the reasons I'm doing this is I feel like people are afraid to talk about the people they've lost. Like they don't want to bum anyone out, you know, they don't want to bring them up. And so they just don't. I mean, you have your son you can talk to about Mm -hmm. her and I'm sure you could be like, mom would have loved to see you play or just maybe telling him a story about her that he didn't already know about. Yeah. But what about with other people? I mean, we, we already talked about this kind of isolation that happens. It sounds like it goes both ways. You just want to be your own person. Do you feel like you hold back sometimes where you might want to say something? And you're like, eh, I won't. I get what you're saying because I didn't ask you about your mother. I didn't ask you to describe to me your mother, which maybe you would, you know, maybe that would be nice. I don't know when the right time frame is for that to come yeah. up. I didn't ask you. Yeah. You know, you lost your mother. Yeah. Tell me more about her personality. Tell me more. I didn't ask. Yeah. You know? And when is the right time to do that? I didn't ask you. I'm sorry I didn't. And oh. I made, after we parted, I realized I hadn't. Well, don't apologize. If, if I were in a sad space, and, and maybe there's, for some people grieving, tell me about your mom. If you want to, maybe yeah. it will make you feel good so I can feel what it was like when she was alive. Yeah. You know? I haven't gotten to that point where I needed that. Yeah. Because people knew her. Yes. She I- had a big personality. I would much rather be talking about the way someone lived than the way someone died. Yeah. And I think I told you yeah. when I first started talking about, it wasn't actually my mom, it was an old employee who passed. And people would ask, how old was she? How, how did she die? And then yeah. that's all we need. That's mm. it. And I was like, let's talk about how awesome she was. Right. Like she was really cool. Right. Um, but you're right. Most of these people didn't know this person. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's a button you can push and say, let's talk about, let's, let me tell you about, you know, the person I lost. So you have a little bit of insight into what I'm hurting over. Yeah. You You reach a period where maybe it, it just is more natural, especially amongst your closest friends, I imagine. Mm. Yeah. Well, and amongst my closest friends, we can laugh about some of the stupid crap that goes on, you know, that she did that, you know, 
I'm left dealing with, you know, 50 wooden spatulas. I don't know why anybody would need 50 or whatever, 10. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you have, to, you have to laugh about the absurdity of all of it. Humor is important. It, it is. It's, like I told you, it's, it, for me, if, if I didn't have it, I'd be lost. I'd probably be upstairs in a fetal position right now. But, you know, for some people that might be off-putting because it's tender or it reminds them of, of their loss, you know, and I'm a little bit more abrupt about it. But it's been a little over a year and a half. So, you know, I try to, I try to find a little bit of light and humor and uh, not take it too seriously because we're all going to die. You can't, you can't, right. you can't well, deny it. We're not getting out of this world alive. None of us. And we've all lived in this Disneyland fairy tale. I mean, we've, we're going to go, you know? And Well, that's what's so crazy is that you already identified we have this limited lexicon around something that is so common, but we don't, we don't know how to talk about it. We don't talk about it. We don't know what to do about it. Yeah. <laughs> and we seem to be sort of lost. Although I feel I'm speaking with you, I don't think you've conveyed that you're lost in any way, but you seem to be pretty solid. And maybe part of that is because you have someone there, you've got a reason to get up every morning, like you said. And well, you're talking to me on a Tuesday. So if you talk to me on a Monday, I might feel completely different about my worldview and getting through. How is Monday harder than Tuesday? Well, first off, I have to fold kids' laundry and you see how much your kid has grown. You know, it's, it's the heaviness of just getting back to the reality of the day-to-day work world, yeah. Kids are back in school. I've got more time to think. Maybe it's a bit of a midlife crisis. Those sorts of things all tie together. And Mondays are super heavy. And it was never like that before. Were Mondays always kind of... A- well, they weren't my favorite day of the week. But, you know, I mean, and I'm not a, you know, we have to live during the, you know, the weekends or are the only world. That's not, I've never been like that. I'm, the glass is always half full. But it's just the heaviness of getting back to things and getting the schedule back to things. You were fortunate enough to have, between you and your wife, you had these businesses that kind of gave you some freedom. I mean, you weren't thrown into having to go right back to work. Right. I'm grateful. I mean, she had two businesses that have employees that are like family to us that I've had a hand in to a point, but it was her passion and her legacy. They're run really well and professionally, and I inherited those. But at the same time, it gave me flexibility to be around my son and to not have to travel for work, not have a corporate gig. So I'm grateful for all of that. You're right. It would have been really tough to, you know, the week after she'd passed away to go back to some kind of a, you know, nine to five job and traveling because that's probably what I'd have to do and not see him and have to coordinate childcare. I mean, God forbid, I don't know how people do that without family and friends helping. So, and then added expense and all that too. Yeah, I'm lucky to have had that ability for me to see my kid do things. And I lost my dad at 47. And I, you know, I, I realized that when I had lived past his age that I wanted to make certain that I got to see my kid move through his things and not miss going to his sports events or his milestones. You lost your dad when he was 47? He was 47. Yeah, and I was 23, yeah. 24. So. That is a crazy milestone, isn't it, when you... When you live past the age they did? Yeah. You told me when you lived. Yeah. 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 That was a very surreal moment. I'd realized, like, oh, I'd outlived my dad by like two weeks or something. I was like, that's crazy. Do you think this process has made you into a better person? Certainly. I wouldn't wish it on anybody, but yeah. it has. You know, if that's the one takeaway, 
it makes me less self-absorbed. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I mean, I have a well-curated Instagram page or whatever, but it's made me realize that I have people that love me and, and people that I love, and I want to see them continue to do that. And, um, but it's made, yeah, it's made me a better, well-rounded person. I had good parents that had a good perspective on things. And, you know, like you, losing a parent, I mean, my, I was older, but having gone through loss before, I've seen my mom do the heavy lifting. You know, I saw my mom deal with being a widow. There's that word. At 47, <laughs> you know, and going back to work, she was a nurse, worked really hard and, you know, buying a house and, and at the same time making, <laughs> making some decisions that she probably regrets, you know, doing rash things. Like people warn you when, you're, when you've had loss, don't th- do anything rash or extreme. Don't sell assets. Don't buy anything for at least a year you know, until it's gone by. My mom did the exact opposite. So I've learned from her mistakes too. When you see somebody do a lot of heavy lifting like that, like your father going through it and raising two daughters, I had a good role model and I saw my mom deal with it. Now that um, we've passed a year and my son has a bit fuller schedule and I've had more time to think, I've trying to do more and, and the suggestion for other people too that have been going through it is to do more like self-care. I don't like that term either, but to really focus on being in the moment, letting things go, but also, you know, exercising and eating better. That's really been helpful to me lately, especially with seasons changing and stuff. So um, we're getting to the darker time of year, mm-hmm. which last year was awful. Obviously we live in Oregon and the weather was terrible through the winter last year, but it's that that time of year where I need to do more self-care and, and for other people that are around me that are dealing with grief or, or just tough times too, we're all on the same page. Like, hey, let's make sure we go running this week, you know, and um, let's make sure we eat better and not drink as much, things like that. Yeah. Bringing up drinking, I think is really yeah. big. Because- oh, it's a hole that you could easily go down. Right? right. And I know some people that have. I know another friend of mine who lost his wife a handful of years ago and he's unfortunately had to go to rehab and take a different path. So the big takeaway is focus on your health. Initiate some fun in your life, too. I mean, instead of saying self-care, I guess you can say yeah, well, take course. good care of yourself. So you can take care of other people because at the end of the day, you're going to have to do that as a parent, you know. Yeah. So. Or even as a child, right? Right, Because, yeah. I mean, your mom, I don't know how old your mom is, but um, at some point, she's probably going to need you, too. True. Right now, she doesn't. She can drive. But that, you know, knock on wood. We're all going to be caregivers at one point in our life on both ends of the spectrum. And I've always taken fairly good care of myself. I'm lucky to have that in my background, but I can see how some people don't because it gets to be super overwhelming. And you hear stories about people who literally can't get out of bed in the morning. Yeah, it's not me. Yeah. But I feel bad for people that have had that. And thankfully, there are people to help them, you know, mm-hmm. you know doctors or, you know, pharmaceuticals or, or family members. That, that in my life right now is more like taking care of myself so I can take care of other people, really, and make clearer decisions about things. Well, exercise, I think, really helps with that. Totally does. No one, re- you never regret exercise. <laughs> and I'm not a big fan of fanaticism and I could never have it completely overtake my life. I like to do it and set it aside. And mm-hmm. then I, it's the one thing I can control and then I can make clearer decisions about the rest of my day. And people know when I have an exercise because my personality is... I'm not as fun to be around. My sense of humor is not as on tap unless I'm taking so care not of as, myself. So you're not as funny. People, 
Well, yeah, I'm not. John's as, jokes are a little. They're they're, they're not. They're a little funny. soft today. Yeah, exactly. He, he must, must not, not be taken care of. <laughs> must not have slept and exercised. Didn't eat well. <laughs> Grief, gratitude, and greatness is a production of Recursive Delete Audiovisual in Portland, Oregon. This episode was produced and edited by Jack Saturn and me, Sarah Shaul. The music was by Samantha Jensen. Visit us online at griefgratitudegreatness.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at griefgratitudegreat. Subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, or wherever you like to listen. And leave us a review. Your feedback helps our show and helps us find new listeners. Your support allows us to keep doing this work, delivering insights and inspiration. We'd be pleased as punch if you share our show with your friends and anyone you think could benefit from listening in. We're excited to share more stories with you, so please join us again 